Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Inside Try Show with Sports Tours International. This is the podcast that takes a deeper look at the sport. With in-depth interviews and special episodes to keep you entertained and inspired while you're training. Perfect. And over to you. Hello and welcome to the Inside Tri Show with Sports Tours International. I'm Helen Murray and this is episode number 12. Coming up, we've got something that's going to keep those legs turning when you're on the turbo. I hadn't really been cycling a lot with girls through the summer, so I really didn't know where my cycling was. Uh, in, com- in comparison, I've been doing a lot on my own and with just a couple of cyclist friends or whatever. And I think I maybe was always comparing myself to lean little cyclists and maybe less confident than I should have been. And then suddenly I found myself in the situation where I could ride with up Col de Vence while trying to stay as close within legal distance, of course, of Daniela Reef and such. So yeah, it was a pretty cool experience that. I'm going to be bringing you an interview with Imo or Imogen Simmons, who was third at the Ironman 70.3 World Championships in 2019. She was 12th at Kona on her debut and she's just had a pretty much breakthrough year. So you're going to hear from her shortly, but you might have seen over the last couple of days that I have teamed up and you heard there in the introduction with Sports Tours International or Sports Travel International if you're in Ireland. They are on board as sponsors of the Inside Try Show and I'm really chuffed because I've been a customer with them and I've also done some work as a race host, race host, as a race host with them as well. And I know they do awesome stuff. So basically, if you're looking to race abroad or do any of the big cycling sportives or major marathons, maybe Roth, Ironman Lanzarote, loads of other events then they will look after you they'll sort your logistics they'll get your bike to the event as well and they are offering listeners an exclusive 
10% discount on their Ironman Lanzarote package if you book by the 29th of February 2020. So just head over to sportstoursinternational.co.uk or sportstravelinternational.com if you're in Ireland. Use the code INSIDE1, but do note that terms and conditions apply. So check out the show notes. So news from me this week. Well, I'm really, really happy to have another training buddy. Welcome on board, Laura Ongaro. And thank you so much for signing up to be a Patreon of the podcast. There's a a growing crew now, which is amazing. And I'm really, really grateful. So if you want to get involved with that, head over to patreon.com forward slash inside try show and you can sign up there and support the show, support what I do. It's fair to say I've been absolutely bowled over to the response to last week's interview with Luke Grenfell Shaw who is cycling on a tandem from Bristol to Beijing and he's also living with stage four cancer. It's yeah it's one heck of an interview and I did have a number of friends messaging me saying that they had been in tears listening to it and it wasn't just my very very pregnant friend Amanda on Instagram said a heart-wrenching but inspiring listen. Roger said absolutely awesome episode. Seriously, I should have no excuses now. Great speaker as well. And he said, I got a bit of <laughs> a bit of dust got in my eye a couple of times. Alison also said, I listened to this yesterday. Incredibly positive storytelling. Then over on Twitter, Phil said, I've listened to a lot of interviews over the years on my long runs, but I'm not sure I've listened to one as inspiring as this. I'd encourage everyone to have a listen. Don't let the fact that it's a triathlon podcast put you off. That is not relevant here. Eleanor said, wow, what an emotional and inspiring listen. Off to get out the website and donate. And there were similar sentiments from Sarah and Linda. Vesa said, great interview. Turned you back to reality pretty damn quick. So I've put another link in this week's show notes if you do want to go and sponsor Luke. I think I looked before, I think he's up to £27,000, which, wow, is just fantastic. And I know that that total will continue to grow and he's been doing a few different talks and things like that. So from the bottom of my heart, honestly, thank you so much for such a... I think such a positive and such uh, an uplifting response as well to the fact that, you know, it, it was a bit of a different interview, but it seems like it's gone down pretty all right. And he's a remarkable guy. So I'm really grateful to you for showing your support to that as well. I mentioned last week that I was off to the Banff Mountain Film Festival UK tour Well, again, it was really, really inspiring. And I think our holiday to France in May may well now involve some sort of DOV style hiking and camping. Yeah, we left thinking, oh, we should maybe go and do some walking rather than just chilling out for the week. Typical Murray Browns. Uh, My favourite film was one called Home with a woman called Sarah Ooten. It was just really, really genuine and it wasn't sort of plastered with Red Bull or Solomon like some of the other ones were. And if you haven't heard of Sarah, she is a British adventurer. And between 2011 and 2015, she circumnavigated the globe 
on bike and kayak and rowing and it it didn't all go to plan and I, I think that is what makes her film and her as well it's a great watch so we only saw a snippet of it I think we saw 45 minutes so if you want to see a longer version again it's called Home and I'll put a link in the show notes I'm also going to put a link to an article which I really like this week very empowering it was in the New York Times it was by a woman called Lindsay Cruz and it was along the lines of I'm 35 and running faster than I ever thought possible. And as I near my 37th birthday, it just gave me a little bit of hope that maybe I can still get a little bit faster. Time for this week's interview. When Imogen Simmons went off to study geology at university, I think she thought she'd end up working in a high-flying office job, bringing in a a regular salary and and doing her bit for the environment as well. But spending a few weeks on a triathlon training camp in Thailand gave her other ideas. And she soon swapped the idea of office attire for Lycra and set out to become a professional triathlete. In 2019, she had a real breakthrough year. Not only did she come second on her Ironman debut at the European Championships in Frankfurt to qualify for Kona, she surprised quite a lot of people by finishing third at the Ironman 70.3 World Championships in Nice. She's a real international young woman. She races for Switzerland, where she grew up, having been born in Hong Kong to British parents. And interestingly, she did try to get a pro license from British Triathlon. You'll hear more about that in the interview. Imogen, so I'm sat here in the UK and I think it's very much what I'd call a soup day, (laughs) i.e. it's really grey, it's really wet outside, it's really cold and soup is really the only thing that (laughs) you want to eat. Um, Have you had a, do you ever get soup days in Thailand? (laughs) Um... Um, I can't. I can't say today was one. <laughs> today was quite a nice day, actually. Nice, a cool breeze to blow away some of the sun rays, the heat from the sun rays. But um, we have rainy days, so that's in monsoon season, which is uh, the British summer. So then it can just be really that really thick rain where you can't see anything and you're forced to pull over when you're driving. So that's as close to a soup day as you'd get here, yeah. And it would probably be more of a gazpacho kind of soup, as in cold soup, rather than wanting a hot soup. Yeah, it would. It would. You can still ride in it with shorts and t-shirt and not get cold. Oh, that's amazing. Kind that of is amazing. Oh, love it. So Imogen, last time we spoke uh, was a couple of years ago, and. I sort of had said, oh, you're one to watch, but I can't remember. I was thinking, was that at the beginning, do you think, of 2016 when we did that? I think it was maybe at the end of 2016 after Malulabar 70.3, potentially. Okay. okay, when you had won your age group. Yeah, so that was the 70.3 World Championships in Malulabar 2016. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's right. And yeah, so I won my age group and then we had a chat after that. And I said, you are definitely one to watch, one to keep an eye on. And uh, you have proved my prediction <laughs> correct. Oh, not sure about that. But uh, yeah, it's been pretty busy since. Ups and downs, as always, in, the, in an athletic career. But uh, 
some some positive highlights that's so far yeah has it all been a bit of um has it been a complete whirlwind not really i think i'm uh, i definitely have i've had a lot of fun the whole way so far but i've also like kept core training group and like key bases which have meant that it's kind of allowed me to always refer back to various situations and such and good people around me to keep me grounded so it's pretty cool yeah so you you were born in hong kong lived there till you were about eight then moved to switzerland uh your parents are british and you went to university in london but i mean <laughs> did, did you but did you ever think I want to be a professional sports person um well I guess I've always I've always loved sport without even realizing that I love it if that makes sense I've always just it's always just been part of my life um but I gave up like an individual sport when I was reasonably young so I swam until I was 12 and then I uh I did you know athletics cross country kind of thing until I was about 14 and then I and then I moved more towards team sports and I guess when I moved more towards team sports that was almost me a young like my younger self letting go of uh being taking another individual sport seriously but at that time I was quite academically driven as well so I didn't really have the time or energy to dedicate to a single sport either but then when I started doing it, when I started triathlon again as 21, to be honest, it took a couple of years for me to, yeah, to kind of admit this this little nugget, which uh, seed, which seemed to have been planted. But then when it when I realised that it started growing, then yeah, I was like, okay, I could I could see myself being a professional athlete. Yeah. Did you think that when you did your first? duathlon and your first triathlon when you were still at university or was it more a bit after that honestly until I was 22 years old I'd never really thought of professional triathlon as a career so that was like five years ago and then I did my first 70.3 so I was pretty young and I was like oh professional triathlon is a sport but I'd always been studying and all that so it was you know desk job was awaiting for me I'd, I'd always thought and then suddenly I was like oh maybe maybe not maybe I could do something in the interim a bit different would you've gone into geology um so I studied I did study geology as my bachelor's but then I did um a master's degree in environmental technology and business and that's what really I I struggled on completing the master's I struggled to kind of decide between doing going more to the environmental route um and being an athlete just because I was very passionate and I still am very passionate about that as well and we can come back to that we can sort of chat a bit more about the environment and stuff because if you're passionate about it I want to talk about it but um you know you said then so it was your first 70.3 and that was when you thought oh there is this thing as you know being a professional was that because you saw the professional women and you thought they they're doing what I'm doing apart from they're just faster than me doing it. <laughs> yeah, I could do that too. Faster, like, 
very much faster. I was just like, oh, that looks like a lot of fun. And then I think I did a couple of training camps and lived the life as you think you're living. And that was awesome. And I was like, I want to do this. But what I hadn't, I think what uh, maybe I had underestimated was how different it was doing a training camp for like two, three weeks and just fully immersing yourself versus that being your life day in, day out. And that is quite, that is really very different. It's a different mindset. Um, And I think to a lot of age groupers who are lucky enough and fortunate enough to go away and live the dream for two weeks, I mean, take full advantage of it. It is so much fun, but it is different when every single day rain, rain or shine or whatever, whether you feel sick or whatever, just got to go out. And I think, yeah, it's, it's, it also takes a mental toll doing nothing in the day sometimes. So yeah, it's different, but it's fun. I enjoy it. It's not a bad job. It's not, I can't complain. (laughs) (laughs) How did you get your pro license? So I got my pro license uh, through the Swiss Federation. So I uh, represent Switzerland and I got it after, well, Malunabar coming first in my age group. And I think I was first, say first or second age group overall that year as well in the 70.3 World Champs. And then I had a couple of results where I was within the required percentage of the winner as well. So, uh, yeah, 70.3 basically. I'd never done an Ironman before this year. I love this. And did you ever think of applying to British triathlon for your pro license or was it always going to be Switzerland? No, I was, I was in, I was in the VTF before, but they didn't want me. I, my results went fast enough. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? How, um, after the Lula bar as well. So I was a bit like, okay, well, um, but I'm very pleased with my choice and, uh, yeah, like I feel more Swiss than British sometimes. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's very, I'm very happy with it. Yeah. They're very supportive federation as well. So it's good. Do, do they support their, um, long course athletes? Uh, in, in various ways. Yes, of course, it's not the same as the Olympic distance, and it's never going to be because there aren't Olympic medals on the table. Um, but they're there and for information and stuff. Yeah, they run workshops and stuff for us as well, which is always helpful. And do they? Do you get any funding from them? I got funding from my government. Oh, in Geneva, the Geneva yes. government. Okay, okay. Because it's cantonal. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then do so. Do they then do things like sports psychology and and say if you got injured, would they help with physio costs and stuff? Uh, well, in Switzerland, you have um, you have to have private health insurance, or so that's not really so much of an issue as such. Um, but they enforce certain medical checks every year and stuff, so to make sure that we're all healthy and that we see one of their doctors and blood tests and such. So in that sense, they're very much like on top of their athletes. Um, but you haven't been tempted to uh, stay and train in Switzerland year round. Um, well, I was just back there at Christmas time and no, <laughs> it was very enjoyable being there. 
for three weeks. But uh, after doing one, I think we did the lake tour of uh, Lac Le Mans, so that's Lake Geneva, which is 180K thereabouts. And it was like average temperature was zero degrees. And I was like, yeah, no, I can't do this all year round. <laughs> so... I mean, there are other options when you're there, of course. You can cross-country ski, you can indoor train, but I'm racing quite early this year. I'm racing in Dubai, and I just don't think that would be possible if I did all my winter training at home to be in the shape that I hope to be in. And you don't really like indoor training either, though, do you? I can't say I do a massive amount of it. Um, No. I I don't mind it if it has to be done, if that's the way my training has to be done due to the circumstances, but I would choose to avoid it if possible. Hence, Thailand is a great, it's a great option. It is. It's an option and I took it. (laughs) So yeah, it's cool. Am I right in saying when it gets, you have to do a lot of your swim training when it's really super hot, almost in a, like in an outdoor pool, but a covered outdoor pool? Yeah, so our pool is it is covered, and it's the I think it's the coolest pool on the island. So it's it's like refreshing to jump into. It's actually quite nice. Um, but a lot of the other pools, uh, they get they get so soupy. There you are, you get the soup, but in a different way. And just like thick, the water the water gets really thick from the heat, and it's actually really hard to move it. And so a lot of the uncovered pools, they look beautiful. You get a great tan, but you get sick quite easily from them I find and is that one thing that you've got to be quite conscious of being based somewhere like Thailand that actually there perhaps is a higher chance of getting sick and things oh for sure you got to be got to be really on top of one your food sources so where you're eating from in the really hot season which is about to come up now it's in like March April you got to be wary of where you're getting your food source because honestly things travel so fast here um but also yeah just making sure that your levels of your electrolyte you're drinking enough just to make sure you're not putting your body at risk any more than it needs to be um so yeah you just got to be aware really and know what to do and what are the what would you say the main advantages of training in Thailand are? So I train here like four months of the year, basically during the winter, to be able to cycle all year round. So that's a really big draw for me. My coach Jürgen Zak uh, has his group here, and so there are a bunch of athletes and really of all abilities. So right from you know have just done a couple of triathlons through to pro level. It gives it a really nice atmosphere and it makes the job somewhat less arduous because, you know, we've got a really fixed schedule and this sounds ridiculous, but when I'm at home and the more time that I have, the harder it is for me to plan my sessions because you're just like, oh, I'll go a bit later. Oh, I'm not feeling it just yet. Oh, I just ate or whatever. But when you're here, you just like have a really strict routine and it's a lot easier to be more time efficient with that which I appreciate. And easier to do your job. Exactly, exactly. Less time wasted, easier to, and you can treat it, like I can, when I'm here, it's, I find it very easy to treat it as a job in the sense that like, that's just my working hours. So yeah. 
and cost as well I guess it's a, a good place to be based because it's not yeah. as expensive as other places yeah that that is a major factor like I've I've always wanted to go to various places like in the US and Australia to train because they look amazing but um when it comes down to it it is just the cost of living here is pretty low and it's it's easy living if that makes sense like no stress the ties are very friendly people and yeah like from my house everything the pool and everything the gym everything's within 500 meters so yeah easy (laughs) (laughs) that's insane (laughs) and you recently did the uh laguna phuket triathlon which is is very famous are you almost like a little celebrity there um I wouldn't say so. I, I know a few people, like, I know, I think quite a few people know me, but I think most people actually know me through my, my training partner, uh, Dre, who is local from here. He grew up in the village and he's the best Thai triathlete. And because of that, they know a lot about triathlon here and they know that I train with him. So that's probably more known through that maybe, but yeah. It's it's fun and it means that like training with him is always entertaining because we meet a lot of you know the local govern governor and stuff and <laughs> the triathletes are known basically. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Fill me in on um, on the the move towards Ironman. So this past season, 2019, you did your first Ironman. Was that... Did you want to do that? Or was it Jürgen sort of saying, Imo, I think you could do this? Um, I think it was a bit of both. I mean, certainly Jürgen's, you know, he's come second in Kona and done it over 10 times. And uh, so he's always been big on the Ironman aspect of things, but he's never pushed me to do it until I started mentioning it myself. And uh, I think I, I've i always said, like, I'm not going to do a f- full Ironman until I've, you know, kind of I feel strong in the half Ironman. Um, and I feel like I can do decently in the half Ironman. And I think this year has kind of like solidified that in a way that I've really, I've now got to work on my full Ironman distance stuff, but my half Ironman is kind of coming along quite nicely. So the very different distances, I didn't respect that enough, but I enjoy both. Each comes with a different challenge. So yeah, it's fun. It is fun. Was your primary goal then for 2019, was it to qualify for Kona or was it to 
finish on the podium at the 70.3 Worlds or neither of those were actually goals? Um, they, I mean, honestly, the going into 70.3 Worlds, there were so many strong girls. When I looked at the start list, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have a hard time coming top 10, let alone like anything more than that here because I would what a strong field like this year so I was really I was still have to pinch myself about that because I just executed a good race on this on the right day basically is what happened um and living and training in the Swiss Alps paid off but I Kona was a long shot my first Ironman, you have no idea what to expect. You don't even know if your body's going to respond to it or be able to respond in the way that it's required to. So it was just a case of go out there and see if you can do it and do my best, which, I mean, any athlete, any triathlete knows that's what you give on race day. So I I did, and I, I mean, I got pretty lucky in the sense that Sarah had a, a – Sarah True had an unfortunate um, – well, she passed out just before the finish line in Frankfurt. So that got me my Kona slot. So actually, I, I wasn't really on target for that one, but got it in the end. And then kind of racing in Kona was the cherry on top and being able to experience that with maybe a bit less pressure on my shoulders because I'd had a decent result before it. And Nice was uh, very much appreciated. But yeah. Did, did So you surprised yourself then at, at Nice? Oh, absolutely. I did not expect, I did not expect that. I'd also been training a lot with guys or I hadn't really been cycling a lot with girls through the summer. So I really didn't know where my cycling was uh, in in comparison. I've been doing a lot on my own and with just a couple of cyclist friends or whatever. And I think I maybe was always comparing myself to lean little cyclists and maybe less confident than I should have been and then suddenly I found myself in the situation where I could ride with up Col de Vence while trying to stay as close within legal distance of course of Daniela Reef and such so yeah it was a pretty cool experience that. How did you not let your emotions get carried away when you were thinking oh my god I'm actually I'm actually you know with the front at the front of this race? Oh, you, you've got to, I think through, maybe through experience and through having let emotions got, get to me previously in previous races and let your heart rate rise unnecessary and such, you know you've just got to keep under control and focus on other things than that and just not really let yourself think about the fact that you are in that situation or what have you to um, stay like in the moment rather than thinking of the circuit, like, the impact of being there means if that makes sense yeah 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 when you did frankfurt so your first ironman which was obviously before the 70.3 world championships how did you feel standing on the start line i had no idea what to expect i was like okay we're gonna start with this film and then we'll see what happens and uh yeah so there were there were a few a, few, a lot of lessons learned that day um and what, a lot like... more to learned. Uh, uh, don't power off too hard on your own on the bike uh, <laughs> make sure you drink a lot and uh, yeah just general I mean Ironman is Ironman and I have to say on the third 
third loop of the four loop run course, people were just dropping like flies. It was so hot. It was like 39 degrees. I was during that heat wave. And um, yeah, you suddenly learn to appreciate aid stations a lot more. And did you enjoy your Kona experience more than Frankfurt or less or you can't compare them? Uh, they were both very different. Kona's pretty, pretty cool race. Unfortunately, I was actually quite sick the week before Kona, so I don't think I made, I got to make the most out of the island itself. But I really enjoyed being there. And Kona, in a way, is kind of similar to Phuket as well, so I didn't feel too out of my comfort zone. It in was... terms of heat. Yeah, heat, humidity is pretty similar. And then just that whole island feeling, you know, easy living. They've nailed it. You were just at home. You felt at home when you got there, right? <laughs> Cafe lifestyle carries on. No, it was good. It was awesome. Like, Kona's an incredible place. And the atmosphere there is crazy. But the Germans are crazy as well. And running around Frankfurt that day was awesome. Like, Because, it's as I said, it's a four-loop run course. So there are just people, spectators the whole way around, which you don't have... Uh, in Kona because obviously you're out on the Queen K where it's nice and hot and so it's just it's a very different vibe so yeah I bet you're pretty excited about going back again I I do want to go back yes I'll admit it I need to qualify first uh, which is easier said than done especially as the um, other ladies are so, really incredibly strong and this new qualifying system it's not the easiest but you got to take a chance and go for it right definitely right <laughs> so you're gonna you're gonna try and qualify in tune in switzerland so it's going to be the first ever ironman tune isn't it that that's right so i'm quite excited about this because i know i i mean it's not my hometown but it's i'm quite excited to do uh it's only female pros this year as well so that'll be quite cool and the first time it's being held in Tun so uh, freezing cold lake swim and then a hilly bike and then a relatively flat run I believe so we'll see what that brings hopefully it's not too cold or snowy or anything then you never really know where this results no I think but isn't that just almost your idea of is that your idea of kind of a dream race because you get to do it in Switzerland and you love climbing and things I don't know I mean honestly when I'm over in Phuket I forget how to climb because we have such flat roads here so um I'll see I'll I'll let you know after the race fill me in (laughs) see if it's worked out or not (laughs) I've read somewhere that you do quite a bit of meditating is that is that right I'm not sure about meditating. I just like um I meditate a bit to go to sleep mainly and just to calm down. Um but I I wouldn't say it's like a huge hobby, but it's yeah, it's something I indulge in sometimes. And has that been more from being in Thailand or has that been Oh, that's nothing to do with being in Thailand, I don't think. I think it's just like a nice way to clear my mind. Sometimes I struggle to sleep and it's a, yeah, it's an, I find it quite an effective way of ensuring a relatively good night's sleep. Sometimes, especially before events and stuff, it's quite hard. So, yeah. Do you get nervous or do you get 
anxious? Yeah, I do. And I find the worst events, my worst performances are often when I don't get anxious and nervous. So like a bit of, I always think like a bit of nerves is is a good thing because, you know, that's just your body's natural response to going into a race or that kind of fight or flight kind of situation. So if you have no adrenaline pumping through your veins beforehand, before getting on that start line, it's often a bad thing. Um, so yeah, I, I, for sure I get nervous. I don't know any anybody who doesn't. You've got to be extremely confident not to be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how, how do you deal with nerves? Yeah, so as as you mentioned, a bit of meditation, some breathing practice, and trying to surround myself with people or distract myself from the event in a way. It depends where I am in terms of when the event and race start is. If it's like a few days before, then trying not to get too caught up in the hype is what I find the most important part for me. And with Coney, then, you stayed out of town a little bit yeah yeah I stayed quite far like I was out of town and uh as I said I was sick so actually I was in bed for a few days (laughs) I dealt with that quite well (laughs) and you said about the the races when actually you don't get nervous then you you don't do quite as well do you so do you know almost the night before like oh I don't know my head's not I'm not feeling nerves ah no, because then I would start to get nerves. It's the ones that I go into, and I'm just like, either if I don't, for instance, if I um, if I my heart's just not in it for whatever reason, and so that's why I don't actually tend to race too much. Is that I know that if I over race, then they'll start, then the races will kind of just start merging into one, and I'll stop maybe caring as much. And I know for me personally, that's quite an important aspect to to keep that like excitement. I need that. So, yeah. And and the and the fun side of it as well. I get that impression. Yeah. Uh, well, also, I think this year as well. Oh, sorry, last year. Well, uh, last year as well, I ended up doing a lot of championship races. So I did my first Ironman, which was also the European Champs, and then seventy point three World Champs, Kona World Champs, and I think that's three quite big races which not only take a physical but also a mental toll on me and uh, I didn't want to overdo it around that so I didn't race that much in between uh, and around all of that last year actually just to kind of accommodate and to allow myself some breathing space around it all. And can you describe the actual like the mental toll that it that it takes Imo? I guess it's kind of hard to describe, but I think in particular, it's, you know, it's like several, it's not even weeks. It's like my training for Ironman Tun has, you know, the long rides, all this kind of stuff. They've already started. So already now on my long rides, I'm trying to, you know, not simulate, obviously, because it's miles out, but like, you know, think about my nutrition and stuff. So it's almost like a big exam, you know, when you'd have a really big exam coming up and then you, you finish the exam and you just, you just want to let everything go and go wild and go out and just forget everything for, I don't know, a few days. That's kind of how I treat big races as well. Just there's a big hype towards it and you put all your mental energy into it. Um, in every, every training session, which is, 
you know, when you're a professional athlete, it's not just the training sessions, it's your nutrition, it's your recovery, it's you're making sacrifices left, right and center, you're not going out with your friends, you're not doing this or that, and you're not going on holiday to focus on a race. And I think that takes a really big mental toll after a while. So you personally, I got to be able to, I know not everyone's like this, but I've got to be able to let my head out once in a while. Do you love a good post-race party? I do. <laughs> Best one. <laughs> Oops. Uh, is, is, there a, is there a best one so far? Uh, there have been a few good ones. Um, the best ones I don't really remember. No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, nice was a good one. After Nice, that was a fun one. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I ended up in a bar I'd been in when I was a student as well, which was quite fun. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, I think I've been here before. <laughs> that must have been a very strange, very strange time. <laughs> it was just, it was a strange de- deja vu, I have to say. Yeah, thinking, whoa, this feels like another world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before the world of triathlon had even begun. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So you, we we mentioned the uh, the environment um and like obviously you, you your studies and things like that um so what do you think you would be doing then oh i mean that's hard to say there were so many various um opportunities which were kind of presenting themselves to me but um and so many different directions that i wanted to follow but uh environmental consultancy was definitely up there um and i mean Honestly, at the moment, it's just since well, since I graduated, it's become more and more of a of a topic. And I, obviously, at the moment, with the uh, Australia wildfires, it's even becoming more dominant as it should be. Climate change is clearly a, a thing. Um, sorry, Donald Trump. And um, so I, I don't know. Hopefully, something to to help induce change because we need it. Do you think you will go down that route at some point in the future? Oh, I'd certainly like to if it's if it's not too late. Like I'd like to be able to do something and use my use my knowledge and um everything that I've I've learned and also just be having been able to travel the world. It's honest being in Thailand, it's eye-opening. Um the amount of change which has got to happen for us to sort this problem out because go on in what way in what way in thailand oh i i mean i don't even want to tell you about plastic use here it's disgusting you can't drink tap water so everyone buys plastic bottles for water and it's a hot country can you imagine the amount of plastic which gets used here it's disgusting. Let alone that, they put everything in. In you buy anything in Seven Eleven, they put it in a plastic bag and throw in a load of plastic straws. It's. I mean, they and then not educated in this field, they don't know any better. So everyone just accepts it, and it's crazy. And is that something? Do you think, having lived there, that actually then you could potentially? try to do something somewhere like Thailand to to make the change and to do that education part um honestly I would love to uh but the language barrier is pretty strong here and uh, 
don't my tie is definitely not at the level it would need to be um i think slowly they are the change is happening they but i I mean i was literally just having this conversation with some friends but it's very much centered around places such as here in phuket and bangkok where there's a higher level of education and people are aware of the impact of plastic and suddenly they're not giving out plastic bags quite so readily but i don't know what it is like in the rest of rural thailand really and those are the places you need to reach they're the places which don't have recycling they're the places which throw all their rubbish out onto the street and who knows where it's end up and it's not it's not their fault per se it's they just don't we just don't know they don't know any better it's yeah. a hard situation yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no i, I um, remember it's a scary one really yeah. really scary isn't it i remember living in when i lived in mexico and i just couldn't get my head around the litter because there was just such a lack of education about you put your litter in the bin you don't just drop it on the floor yeah it'll just like throw it off the back of a motorbike i finish the strength chuck it out and you just literally lining the the grass verges it's there's plastic stuff everywhere but it's crazy. What scares me often is um, how quickly you can tune it out of your vision. Yep. Often I catch myself running along and I don't even notice them. Then, and then I'm like, oh, wait, the grass verge is basically a crash bin. And I mean, it's scary how quickly you can just normalize it. And that must be really even harder going from somewhere like Switzerland, swapping between the two, which is like... Yeah. It's such a shock. And some of the cars here definitely need an MOT because the amount of black smoke which comes out of that is not healthy. But that's hopefully stuff which will slowly change as the government becomes more involved, government regulations come into play. I think we all know that, you know, carrot doesn't necessarily work. It's got to be the stick. Uh, effects such as charging for plastic bags which does work and we got to normalize the change so yeah it's it's interesting talking things other than triathlon Imo, with you <laughs> sorry <laughs> i no. forgot we were on a podcast <laughs> no honestly i it I, I do find it really interesting because you know you yeah you're clearly a super talented triathlete but you're clearly a clever cookie as well and there's you know there is more than just swim bike run i like i like to think so i do love swim biking and running but yeah there is there is more than there is more than just that <laughs> thank you <laughs> it's, it's fine so roll on ironman switzerland um sorry I, yeah. or ironman tune roll on kona 2020 you'll still want to watch i'm telling you <laughs> i hope you're right <laughs> In a positive way. <laughs> in a very positive way. You've not proven me wrong yet. So, um, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And uh, thank you to all those who are still listening, even after my rabble about pollution. Thanks for listening to the Inside Try Show. If you want to get in touch or get a little bit more information on anything, then reach out to Helen on Instagram or Twitter at Inside Try Show. You probably know by now that I do love a bit of non-triathlon chat as well as all the swim, bike and run talk. And talking of running, I'm going to be doing the Always Aim High half marathon on Anglesey in North Wales on March the 1st. So if you are doing that race, come and say hello. I'll be the one 
maybe one of a couple i'm not really sure uh, definitely rich as well but uh, i'll be the one in nutsford tri club kit this has been the inside tri show with sports tours international don't forget they are offering 10 percent off their ironman lanzarote packages with the code inside one if you book by the 29th of february 2020 terms and conditions do apply so check out the link in the show notes we've also been powered by 33fuel.com who have recently been recognized in a magazine feature eco heroes which is celebrating 50 people and organizations changing the sports world for the better use the code inside try 33 for a discount at checkout coming up next time is seven times ironman winner once runner-up at Kona, originally hailing from Grand Junction, Colorado, it's Ben Hoffman. I think there's a lot of misconceptions about what goes on on the testing front. And I will say this, you know, part of our um, efforts as the organization, as a PTO, I really think we have to prioritize protecting um, what I consider to be a unique component of our sport, which is that we're not tarnished um, in the same way as something like cycling uh, with that same, you know, uh, doping history, I guess. I mean, there's definitely been cases. I believe there are still people that probably cheat in our sport, but I think that overall we have a a relatively and actually pretty clean sport. I mean, I feel confident saying that. I cannot wait to bring you that interview. If you could head over to Apple, rate the show, leave a positive review, all that kind of stuff, that would be really, really ace. But thank you very much for listening. And until next week, keep it fun and we'll speak then. Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.